0: What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine.
1: Where are we? Uh, we're in the world-famous Friday Sock Co. headquarters, weekday store slash sock warehouse of fun. An adventure, <laughs> fun and adventure.
0: We're gonna make this an adventure right now. Yeah, awesome. um, uh Taking back, who is Adam Thompson?
1: I, uh, I'm a guy. I didn't finish high school. There's a story behind that, um, but I was kicked out of high school for just being a class clown. It wasn't anything too crazy, and I just didn't go back. But because I always felt like I'd start a business, my parents always had a business, um, and so I always figured I would just do something like that. So I lied on my resume and I got, you know, the odd job and. Started to get progressive in my career, ended up in a sales position, which has served me really well. And while doing that, I was in that role for it was a headhunter position um, for finance and accounting. And then in that role, I started to kind of do things on the side, like um, started buying things at auction sales and flipping them on the weekends, and you know on Kijiji during the weekdays. Um, and had a few different ideas, and socks was just another idea that I kind of pursued with uh, with a limited run, but. It's quite expensive at the time to do it, but a limited run of six designs. And uh, so that's kind of how I got my, my start.
0: Right on. I always find it interesting how people get started in an entrepreneurship. Sometimes they're trying to escape a corporate, sometimes you know they've, they're born into it. So like you said, your, your parents owned a business. How do you think that shaped you early stages?
1: Just like the work ethic um, and the, I would say the freedom that, that we had, but um, my dad had a construction company. And when I was a little kid, he would leave before I got up for school, and he'd be back at bedtime, if, if that. Like, he worked really, really hard. Uh, so just the exposure to, to working that hard and going around doing estimates. And we got involved on the weekends. And one summer, I wanted to get you know, some new shoes and some other things. And he's like, well, come work for me for the summer. And I, I got a taste of what it was like there. Um, it's the overarching freedom though of it and I couldn't be kind of contained within a corporate environment very easily just because you know I always kind of wanted to do my own things and had a uh, question authority when it was like hey we need to do all these you know 20 reports and KPIs and some of them didn't make sense and I just you know couldn't see myself continuing in that direction
0: Right on. So, do you feel like you took things from corporate into your business, or was it completely like, I don't like this, I don't like this, I can do yeah. this better?
1: It's funny because, like, when I first started the the company, it was very much like we're going to do things different, um, and we 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 did that for a while. But as you actually grow as a small business, you start to understand why bigger companies have structures that they do in place. So, I'm trying to like figure out a, a balance in between because there are some things actually so some KPIs and some things need to happen so that people have freedom. So if people want flexibility, then I've got to be able to, as a business owner, make sure I know that all the things are getting done that need to get done. And so that does take a little bit of uh, uh, process. And, and so it's kind of like a marriage between freedom plus uh, being custodians of the business.
0: Right. I always I'm always curious as to kind of you know when you leave when you leave a corporate or some sort of security or something that you're not so stoked on and you start building your own thing what's the one thing if there I'm sure there's many, but what's the one thing that you make sure that you don't practice that you you know was part of the culture previously
1: yeah so I've, I've had a few jobs where it was if you're a minute early or late um, and it was very stringent you know lunch hour was an hour, and it, you know had somebody always looking over your shoulder, and so that here is it's quite a bit different here. We treat people like they're adults, and um, people generally work hard, and so none of that other stuff kind of matters. If you have a, an appointment and it's not a day off, I'll probably give you the day off. Um, and we have a pretty good policy for vacation period and stuff. Um, so it would be that, as a small company, we're trying to be giving people enough freedom and flexibility so that they can not just be pigeon-held into like a, a, a box of corporate life. Yeah. yeah. Right
0: on. And I, I feel like, I mean, you're known uh, from an external perspective as well as I've had the opportunity to work with you, but you, you know, Friday Stock is known as an incredible like, team culture, like just walking around, yeah. you know, seeing what's going on over the, here in the office and over here and the Olympic signs and mm-hmm. the employee of the month and all these different things. Um, why is that so important to you and why do you choose to continue to foster that?
1: It's just like when, when I started a business, I, I thought about, um, admittedly, my own freedom. Like if I could start a company and have my own freedom and do my own thing, wouldn't that be awesome? And maybe I could make some money. And then, as you actually get into owning a business as an entrepreneur, you find out it's a lot of work. Called it Friday Saw Company because Friday was my favorite day of the week. You didn't work that hard, but now every day is a Monday. Like so, I'm sitting there being like, okay, this is very difficult. Um, and and then as we grew, though, we started getting people on, and my. It's weird, but the the reason I wanted to do this has changed. And now it's really about the people who are part of our team. And I find myself trying to make things good for people that work here, rather than just trying to make things good for me. And one, admittedly, begets the other, which is great. But um, I'm trying to have a, uh, uh, like, when I think about the the pivotal moments in our, the things I'm most proud of in our business's progress, it's when we had a, um, the whole staff went away somewhere, and we had a, a, a big day of trying to figure out what we're going in the direction we're taking. And like it's, it's really like having the people be part of this, and then figuring out how we can all kind of go together and um, not take life so seriously, but run a business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So when you started the company, what was your intent? What was your mission? What did you want to achieve? And then obviously you mentioned there's been a large transition since then. So what does that look like now? And what did that transition look like?
1: Yeah, so when I started, I was walking down 17th Avenue and thinking to myself, if, if, if I could start a sock company, and at that point, we had gotten to our first couple stores or something, and I was, like, if I could get, I was doing the math. If I could get in uh, this many stores, then that would be cool. And then I could start another product-based business and then I could start another one, and I was trying to do the math of what I would have to be able to make to to make a go of it full time and and sustain my livelihood and her family's livelihood. And um, so that was the very kind of beginning, and then what happened was Friday ended up being um, pretty busy and doing okay, and we were going to markets every weekend, and um, it kind of grew in itself, and always in the back of my brain, I wanted to do other kind of product-based businesses. Uh, And so it's interesting because that was the original thought, then Friday took probably six years of time. And now we're at a stage where we've incorporated uh, weekday candles, uh, Matchstick Boutique, which is a small um, company we bought in the fall. Uh, we have a couple greeting card lines. Um, we have a, a, one of the greeting cards lines I created. It's called Made by Potato. And you just take potatoes and stamp them. And for every card sold, you give a, a, a meal to a child in need. So there's some social impact to it. Um, But uh, with the candles and the matches and the cards and the socks, we're building out a wholesale distribution hub for stores. So we're in a bunch of stores. And it's really economies of scale. We can ship things. We can warehouse things. um, We can have somebody doing emails, all that stuff. But we can do it for lots of different products and kind of have things come into the fold. And so my vision has completely changed. Friday socks will eventually be part of a a bigger, bigger thing. Um, I love it. It's a great company, but um, at one point, when others companies and brands grow, hopefully we'll have a, a bigger kind of idea there. Right on.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So it's safe to say uh, the passion is it, is the passion in growing businesses. Is the passion in socks? Is the passion in candles? Yeah.
1: I love business. I think it's a way that you can keep score and um, exercise your creative abilities uh, to think of something in your head, the branding of it, the product. And then to have it kind of magically appear, like there's a lot of work that obviously goes on, but then you're holding it in your hands and then you're selling it to somebody. And then somebody's being like, this is great. I love this. It's just so fulfilling. And for me, um, I could do a lot of different things, but I just really like products. Like I like making a product. And I just imagine being able to come up with all these different products. And I have a big list of things I want to do um, that uh, we could almost stock an entire uh, independent retail store with all these different things that are cool, well thought out, um, uh, environmentally friendly as much as possible, socially conscious, um, and just like have it all under one umbrella, and uh, and the team behind it also collaborates together and has fun with it. Like it's just a, a really cool thing to think about for me.
0: Right on um i find it super interesting that you're you know you express a lot of creativity i find it in your marketing is super creative your obviously your products are all super creative the you know the naming even right Mm -hmm. um where does that stem from and how do you foster it because often i feel like once once a product is established it's really hard for um for people to continue continue you know being creative with their products and their marketing and that sort of thing
1: yeah uh i think i've always been super like creative and full of ideas um, I just, there, are pe- there are people that just have a lot of ideas all the time. And there's an old quote that, you've had, to get a good idea, you have to have a lot of them. And so I subscribe to that. And I get probably 100 different ideas every day. And anybody that knows me really closely uh, knows that I'll drive them crazy with different things that just pop into my head. Um, so it's a blessing and a curse, in a way. It's, it's good, because I have the capacity to come up with lots of different ideas. Um, It's a curse because uh, it's hard to concentrate on anything when all you're doing is thinking of all new cool things that you want to do. I'm in a group of business owners, and even just last night we had a meeting. And one of my big things and challenges um, going into next year is to really uh, take what I want to do, because we're only here for a limited time, and there's no possible way I can do all the things I want to do, and really like distill it down to maybe five key things that I know I can actually they're big, big things, but I can actually accomplish, and, and then try to get rid of, for me, get rid of all the other stuff. Um, so that's my journey right now, is trying to slow that down a little bit.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So, so that evaluation process determined, like you said, you have all these crazy ideas. How do you determine what, what moves forward and you know, what has to be left?
1: I think it's, um, I've read a little bit about it, but it just, I, I feel like I, I know the process will be getting it all somewhere. Um, and then categorizing it just on the surface of, hey, I really want to do this, I really want to do this, and then hopefully have some semblance of a top 20, right? And then looking at that top 20, and then getting it even more drilled down in, in that, what am I um, passionate about, what's going to fulfill me as a human? It's not necessarily about money, but money would work its way into that equation too. Like, you know, if I can't just do, do something without making The money necessary to drive the business forward. So there's be a little bit of different things, but mostly it's going to be about what I'm passionate about, and um, what's really going to make me feel like at the end of life, I did that. Mm -hmm. Like that's really cool, right? I think. But that's a that's a journey I'm going through. I got to figure out how to, what is most important, and how to do, how to do that. So if you have any tips, if you if you ever have anybody tell you how to do that, let me know.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll find out along the way, hopefully. so you've mentioned, like from from a passion perspective, you've mentioned people, you've mentioned you know coming up with ideas and bringing them to life and that sort of thing. Uh, is if there's like one you know um, silver lining, if you will, that kind of keeps you coming every day, keeps you makes you keep showing up and want to be there every day. What would that be?
1: Um, I think uh, I took the summer almost this last summer almost completely off. And one of the um, one of the things about being a business owner is that it is very 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 hard. And people don't always like, I, I think sometimes um, when you have a job, you, you go home and you might complain about things at work or whatever. But for the most part, you're able to, to sh- shut off a bit. Not all jobs and people in different careers. But um, uh, for me, it just never shuts off. And it's always, it's always there. So after a certain amount of time, you need to have some kind of a breather. And I found myself being a little bit more apathetic towards everything. Anyway, I took the summer off almost, and I have wonderful people here who helped me do that by taking care of everything. And the company continued to do well and grow while I was gone, so that's great. And now I've come back, and I'm I'm just fired up. So I think um, part of it is just having enough space, you know, when you need it, to, to be recharged. And then the other part is just the act of creation and iteration. Like um, if something, if I don't, if we don't create something that I'm really passionate about, uh, it's gonna possibly never be created, or maybe not created in the way that I see it, and it might not do the good that it could do. And so it's really that, you know, um, the things that we could be doing that will never get done if we don't do them. So that, for me, is kind of a, a driver for, for coming into work and,
0: Yeah, right on. Uh, You're not the first person that I've heard talk about kind of like the hiatus idea, if you will. You know, Mm. take take significant, not significant, well, you know, sufficient time off uh, to kind of recharge and do do other things because you come back stronger. That might be a week for some people, it might be two months, whatever the case may be. Um, How, like, if that works for you, I'm curious as to how you would have dealt with that in the early days where you, you know, you might not have had the all the support that you needed to be able to leave for a week, a month, whatever the case may be. It's
1: just uh, because it's all reactionary. Like nothing, it got to a point where nothing was proactive anymore. With the exception of when COVID happened, we did a lot of proactive stuff during that time. Um, But uh, by far and away, most of it was reactive. So get an email, do this. Like we're busy, I have to pack orders. And so I had no other choice because nobody else was, was doing it. Um, and it came. we started to get people, and then it, then you have to give some of that away, and that's a little bit hard to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, eventually, it just kind of, you look around and you go, okay, I have like three or four key people that are really keeping this moving without me, and I need to empower them more with more decision-making ability. And then this last summer was excellent. I, I went to, to South Africa for three weeks, and I didn't even get an email, not even a single email or Slack with a question. It was, it was, and then I came back, and it was, I was kind of like, well, I'm coming in maybe once or twice a week. And then I went away again to Italy to tour the factories. And again, no more. Like it was just, and at the time, I thought, is this bad? Yeah. Like, am I, am I really, have I just like no passion for the business anymore? Like, what's going on? But then when I kind of, the summer started to end, and I just, there's something happened. that I was like, OK, I'm actually fired up again. Like, let's go. Let's do this. So now I have all these plans.
0: Yeah, right on. In, so I feel like a lot of like uh, early business owners or you know new entrepreneurs struggle with the um, struggle with what you were just explaining specifically delegation. Mm. Um, you know whether it be it's usually not a lack of trust but kind of like a controlling element you know that keeps you needing to be involved at all times. What would you say to people that are you know struggling with that?
1: I would say um, the the thing I could have done more of in the beginning that I wish I maybe in hindsight that I would have done. Uh, would be to uh, document everything a lot better, and probably through video, like um, how to, how I'm doing this, because you get your first part-time person or your first full-time person, and uh, you kind of impart your knowledge on them and everything, and uh, what you don't realize is that it might not work, right? There's probably a good chance that um, at such an early stage, you, you might not stay together, this person might leave, or, you know, Whatever happens. And then you have to start again. And that's super painful. Because then you start to doubt. You're like, am I ever going to be able to give this stuff away? And it's not because you couldn't give it away. It's because that the process in giving it away is, is, is flawed. And you're having to figure out how. So it would be documented. Because right now, we've built um, through uh, Notion, which is, and there's a lot of different ones out there. But we've built like a company wiki that has everything, like how to tape a box. And it took a year. But we had Monday morning meetings. And it was like, OK, guys, everybody comes to the meeting every Monday with five new things that you videoed uh, to uh, explain what you did and exactly how you did it. And over the course of the year, we we built out this awesome, like, uh, SOP or standard operating procedure manual. Um, And there are some things and some intricacies that people just have to intrinsically do. But um, for the most part, you can get them to the end part, like the end stage, and make sure you cover all the important bits. And it's now, if somebody leaves, it's like here watch you know watch this video for half a day and all these different things read about who we are um, our values all that stuff but also like now that you're in this job you don't know how to do something you don't need me to show you because it's all here i'm here for questions but it's all there right
0: yeah yeah yeah. so do you think it's true that you have to go through everything as a as an entrepreneur to be, be able to learn how to do every single aspect of your business and then pass it along or do you trust other people to kind of come up with those processes themselves?
1: I think there's a limitation to that because there's only so much one person can do and, and I, I'm strong in some things and really not strong in others. So uh, I think I got the business to, I did everything to get the business to where it needs to be but for instance we have a, a fractional CFO now and we have a bookkeeper and uh, they're much more um, qualified to, to do that stuff than I would be to continue doing it and as you scale of course those things and you know, marketing is one of them. Digital marketing, for instance. And um, and we, uh, when we bought the Matchstick Company, we had to learn how to uh, ship through air to the U.S. because they're a com- combustible thing. And there's all this stuff, right? And I couldn't tell you how we do it. But somebody else went through all the things they need to do. They wrote the process manual. They put it in Ocean so that we all have that captured now. Um, and so I didn't need to go through that because we got to a point where we had you know, people that, that could do that. Right, yeah.
0: right. Um, going back a little bit, I find it super interesting that you start, You started the conversation by saying, I didn't finish high school. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, and I've heard you say that before, I'm curious as, uh, as to why you lead with that and how you think it shaped, you know, what you're doing now or how you act today. I used
1: to be embarrassed about it, like, and I wouldn't bring it up, but then um, once I got my wings under me as a business owner and, and I'm good now, you know, as it is, for today, anyway, um, I just got more confident, and really, when I got I got invited to speak at um, a school in Calgary, once it was four years ago, and I said, "Hey, like, I don't even," and they said, "No, that's fine. We have people here that maybe aren't doing really awesome with their studies, and we want you to kind of speak to them so that they know there are other options. Because um, oftentimes, when you're coming out of school, you know your options are kind of laid out of what you're going to be able to do to be successful." And it kind, of, kind of goes for the trades too, for instance, right? The trades are not like a second option. They're actually a really good first option for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm passionate about talking to my younger self, in a way. Like I want to say that. I want to wear it as sort of a badge of honour. Partly I have a beef with the education system the way it is. Um, you don't get, need to get into that, but like um, it, it doesn't play to, to people's strengths all the time. And it doesn't allow them to become who their best self could be, simply because it's this Formula that they've determined is best for everybody. And I get why they need to do that. But um, I think it's just wearing it as a badge of honor in case somebody hears it and they go, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I have the right degree for this. Like, especially in, as a business owner, you really don't, you don't need that shit. Like, you, you don't, it's actually sometimes a detriment because you're, you're too kind of risk adverse or it doesn't line up or your business plan, which was in my head, I never wrote one down, right? But a lot of kids coming out of school you need to have like this full, flushed out business plan. Yeah. What you need to do is have something to sell, or a product, or a service, mm-hmm. and you need to sell it. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you need to, you need to provide value, right. and then you need to keep that value ongoing with your customer, and get a reputation, and just keep, you know, that's what you kind of need to do. Right. Like not write things down on a piece of paper and expect that the market's gonna buy your stuff.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that multiple times, and I agree with you. I think there's, um, you know, when, you're, when you come out of school, you know, again, not to kind of bash school, but you're, you're taught a certain way of doing things, right? So there's a formula. The formula is old. The algorithms are old. Yeah. Uh, if you do what everybody else is doing, it's not going to work because everybody else is doing it. So it's super interesting.
1: Yeah, and then time and time again, you get proven wrong by some outlier that, you know, is a bit of a renegade and does whatever they want, and it works. But the interesting thing is, I have very smart people that work for me now, and they have education; they've gone through university and degrees. And I, I couldn't do a Excel, Excel spreadsheet if you like if there was a gun to my head. I couldn't like do V lookups or pivot tables or anything. But people can, and you need to then have people on your team who do have that those smarts, which. They're, they're a lot smarter than I am. Like They can do a lot more things than I and I Credit probably the, the degree in going through that educational process, which I didn't, so.
0: Right. Uh, you said something in there that was, that was super interesting, which was um, you're passionate about talking to yourself, mm. or speaking back to yourself. And uh, before we started recording here off camera, we were talking about how you love looking back at old podcasts you've done to kind yeah. of see where you're at at the time. Why is that important and how do you kind of analyze that? What do you use it for?
1: Yeah, I just kind of go, um, it's hard to, it's. There's no quote. It's escaping me now, but um, yeah, it's uh, the only time that it's good to look back is to see how far you've come, uh, and I subscribe to that. Like, it's it's not good to always look back, but it's sometimes good to to take a second pause and see how far you've come. And when I do a podcast, or uh, I'll I'll replay it three years later, and you know I'll be just the the way I'm talking about things and the stuff I'm bringing up or what we're going to be doing, and then you know, time passes and either we are doing that or we went a different direction, or I'm like, you know, this, this person's matured a lot and here's how. It's just this constant development that you gotta kinda take stock that you are developing as a person, as a business owner. And it's really easy to do when you look back and you have stuff recorded that you've, uh, you've done in the past. Yeah.
0: Um, entrepreneurship is often described as, as uh, the constant pursuit of the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? And how does that kind of fit into how you, you, you know, navigate yeah, everything? I
1: agree with it, and I, I try to incorporate in, into my life as much as possible outside of owning a business. I think when you're faced with adversity and struggle, you really build the character that's needed to become a better human. And I, I know that to be a fact. And one doesn't need to look past you know, people that start with nothing. The amount of stories that I came to Canada with $5 in my pocket, and now like, they're at an advantage in a way because they haven't been given everything. Mm-hmm. And there's just as many stories of people who have um, businesses given to them or or a, a bunch of wealth given to them, and they crash and burn. Like So there's something about facing adversity and coming up against struggle that develops you as a human, and especially in business, because you're gonna face that almost every day, um, and you gotta really have a thick skin and, and be able to look past it. So even in my own life, I'm doing like 75 hard right now, which is a, a crazy hard program. Uh, and. And uh, I quit social media for six months. And I'll just make the, I'll say, uh, I'm going to quit uh, drinking booze for a year. Like, I'll just do random things that are hard to do because I want to continue to face some kind of adversity somehow, even if it's manufactured. You
0: know. How do you deal with, um... With the pressures of owning a business, and you know it's it's on you for the next payroll it's it's on you for making your payment on your warehouse, whatever the case may be you know there's a lot of pressure and and oftentimes um, entrepreneurs like to you know not show that side of things maybe mm-hmm. they're maybe they're too proud or or it's embarrassing or whatever the case may be. How do you deal with those pressures
1: yeah i um it is really hard and it is a lot of pressure and uh for one thing that I do that I've always done is I make sure I have enough uh, cash ahead of me. And my formula is three months. So the warehouse, payroll, everything like that. For three months, it's, it's in my bank account at all times. I don't, I don't put that money anywhere else to do anything with it. It's just there, because it gives me a bit of comfort that no matter what happens, within three months, I figure that I'd be able to fix it. So that helps me like, sleep at night a little bit. Um, just always knowing your numbers, forecasting, and being a little bit conservative sometimes. For me, has worked well, so I don't get into any. Uh, you know, I know people that have gotten a lot of sticky situations because the metric that they're following is an ego metric, uh, whereas I'm kind of like a little bit more patient. Um, let's let's really see how we can do this in a smart way, so that we're not putting in ourselves in a in a very. You do have to be risky, but you don't have to be like super risky. Like you can you can kind of toe the line between those two things. Um, so that helps. And then exercise. You know, exercise a lot. Um, I've started taking time uh, now to, to just have some days where I go golfing during the week, or kind of take my phone. Always off, with clients, right? Yeah, always, <laughs> always with clients. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've just I'm I'm still trying to figure that out, but I'm pretty good with that. Like I don't I don't sit
0: at home and and cry myself to sleep every night. Not every night. Not every night. 2, two, out, of, two out of seven. Yeah. maybe three. <laughs> um, can you identify a time that's been you know really tough where you were like I don't even know if I'll see tomorrow kind of thing as far as the business is concerned
1: Yeah there's been a few one of them was very early um, where one of the we were manufacturing in China in the beginning and uh, we had one manufacturer uh, sent us like way like the the socks would fit like sasquatches they were just so huge I don't know why they did this but they made them super big um, and um, that was a big problem because at that point Point, there's no money like i 'm not paying myself every single dollar goes back into inventory and now this inventory a lot of it is is destroyed and um, then they they refused to kind of make them with it was kind of a i think it may, might have been like a bit of a scam situation or something but um, anyway so I had to pull a corporate search on the agent that I was using uh, and then found somebody else that was registered to the corporation and uh, try to get some money back and eventually we got a little bit of money back um, and but when that was all happening i I thought, this, this is stupid. Like, I have a good job, I'm making decent money, and this is stressing me out beyond belief. Why am I even doing this, right? Um, but you take a couple days and you, know, you realize it's not the end of the world and you keep going. For me, it was because I, I put too much, I put enough money into it at the beginning that it was uncomfortable, um, especially after the first year when I kept buying inventory and I had all these socks. So it, I had to see it through, like I couldn't stop. Um, and then beyond that, COVID hit, that was tough, but we, we invented some ways to, to do awesome, and we did. And so it's been good.
0: Um, what about personal experiences where you feel like you've, you know, you've made a mistake that has affected the business? I don't make
1: any mistakes. Right, right,
0: right. Um, yeah.
1: Personal stuff, like uh, the, one, the one thing I felt like this past summer was I felt like I was making a mistake by not being here. Uh, that's, and, and I was making a mistake by not uh, caring as much as I normally would. Um, and now I realize it wasn't. I've, I, every, like, I make mistakes all the time. Everybody, like, there's a, there's a saying that I like. It's kind of like, you're never going to get fired for making a mistake. You're like, just don't make it twice, right? So everything is about learning. And so our philosophy here is make a mistake. It doesn't even matter if it's a pretty big mistake. Um, let's just, like, learn from it. And then uh, and I'll do it again. Hopefully, yeah.
0: How do you deal with um, kind of going back to uh, culture and that sort of thing, specifically hiring and, the, and getting the right people on board? You know, um, oftentimes that's one of the biggest struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, what does your hiring process look like? How, you know.
1: Yeah. You, you want the honest truth? Because um, I think you have to hire somebody to know if they're going to fit. Uh, you you can have all the skills on paper. You can interview them. Some people are really good at interviewing. Um, some people aren't so good at interviewing, but they're awesome once they get started. And it's really hard. And I, and I'm like, I was a, a headhunter for like seven or eight years. Like I did this. I've headhunted and placed countless people. And it was really easy to do it for other people, but to do it for myself, it's almost a bit of a crapshoot. So I put out a position. Uh, I look for some of the skills that are needed. Um, but one of the more important things is that we sit down and we chat, and the conversation seems. Like it would be a natural conversation, or we could uh, go out after, or uh, and, and I don't even need to like be able to go out and have fun with somebody. I just be, need to be able to go out. If they're a completely different personality than I am, I would still be able to have an intelligent conversation with them. So I look for that. Um, we do 16 personalities, so I'm an ENTP or debater. So um, I look at what theirs is and how that reacts with me and how that reacts with. You know, uh, the operation manager has a different one, and like we, we do look at that quite a bit to see. Curious,
0: pre hiring or post? Pre hiring. Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's part of the like, uh, yeah, we're going to come for, before you come in for your interview, finish the 16 personalities test. It takes like five or 10 minutes, and it's, it's cool because you get a report and you can like see how you are with your partner or your, your parents or who, like, whoever you get to take the test. It's pretty accurate, so um, interesting. It's, it's interesting to see. And then it gives me some stuff to talk about, like when. The relationship is going to be like, this is how this person interacts with you. Then I can say in an interview, look, like I'm always going to debate on stuff all the time. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not thinking about it after this conversation's done. I just want to get to the truth, and that's important to me. And um, I'm a little bit all over the place. And how, how do you feel like, you know in your past, how have you dealt with somebody that you've reported into that or that's like that? And You kind of get a just so it's kind of eyes wide open policy. Like, this is how it is here. This is how I am. And, um, what, what, what do you think about that?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, so would you say it's a slow hiring process, fast firing process? What is?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a medium hiring process. Um, it used to be a slow firing process, but I've gotten a lot better at that because, thing is, is that if you have somebody who's not a fit for your team, it impacts other people on the team. Mm-hmm. It impacts the culture, mm-hmm. and you're not doing that person any favors. Um, they're still here. It might be uncomfortable for them to to lose a job uh, not on their terms and then they have to and I know what that's like trust me I've I've been in that situation so I feel for it but at, this, at the same time if it's not working let's like let's talk about that if it's still not working let's let's you can go and find a different place that's going to work better for your personality and we'll have somebody else that works better cuz this uh, like a small business is not for everyone this is a tough job and everything is your job and A lot of times I think people hear you're going to get paid maybe a little bit less than what you'd get at an oil and gas company or somewhere else. Um, And uh, you might have to work in a way that's quite a bit different than being a cog in a bigger wheel where you have this responsibility and this responsibility and that's it. Somebody else is here, you know, everybody sweeps the floor like you got to kind of do everything. Yeah. So It's not for everybody.
0: Yeah, totally. it's going on top of kind of the, the personality test um, concept there, do you, if you were to identify, you know, uh, some people call it a superpower or a genius activity or one of those things that you do so well that, you know, it, just, it comes effortlessly to you, doesn't drain you, uh, what would that be?
1: Uh, I'm able to think pretty quickly. Like, I am can be faced with a, this is happening, this is happening, this has happened, what do we do? and I'll quickly be able to put those things together and be like this is the best course of action because of this and this and kind of look three steps ahead because uh, sometimes you make a decision and and you miss the 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 knock on effect of that because you're not thinking far enough down the road right. so I think okay I think how is this going to impact you know at the end result and then kind of work backwards quickly and this is how we do it like and that's probably that and then coming up with like ideas all the time
0: right those are two interesting ones to go hand in hand. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd think that somebody who has ideas all the time would be fast to make decisions and not kind of think about the consequences.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I face so many consequences in making bad decisions that I'm. I don't know why, but yeah, I think that's what people would say.
0: Um, I'm curious as to the, you know, for lack of a better term, work-life balance. What what that means to you, and you know, is that is that a thing that you practice? You know, is work everything for you? Do you? What does your family life look like? You know,
1: yeah, um, well, we got a couple kids. My wife owns a small business, and um, we, at the beginning, there's no balance, but it's, uh, it's a thing where if you're working on a Saturday and, um, like, say the kids aren't being, like, um, we, we've always, I've always had time for the kids. We've always played with the kids, but, you know, we've had this business for eight years now, and so two or three of those years were, you know, without children in the picture, and then the rest was. Um, But uh, if you're on a Saturday and the kids are out or it's bedtime and you're on your laptop in in the living room and you're working, um, it still feels to me like balance because I enjoy it. I enjoy working. I like getting stuff done and thinking of new things and initiatives. And then um, it's for me. It's for me, it's for my family, and we have the freedom. Like, I can take a Wednesday off instead if I want now. I couldn't do that before. but up until two years ago. Now I can, I can go away on a weekday and I don't have the same, like I don't see weekends like I used to see them because I could kind of shuffle things around how I need to do it. So I achieve balance that way.
0: Um, what kind of tech do you use in your business right now?
1: Uh, we use, um, well, we have Shopify. You know, in all of our business, we use Shopify. We have um, uh, an inventory system that costs us quite a bit every year. Uh, and that one works to forecast like if we order, if we order products, um, it'll say quantity on hand, quantity on order, date when, when it's coming in. And it just keeps our inventory like super solid. And, and it um, fits into all the sales channels, because oftentimes with a system like that, it, it doesn't work natively with all these different sales channels. So we've, we've got that nailed down. We have Notion, which we use um, quite extensively. Um, we're on Google for Gmail and all that stuff. Um, Slack we use all the time. There's a few apps like Judge Me I think is our reviews app. Mm, yeah, there's some apps behind the scene that allow us, and then we do. Um, we have some uh, some software uh, that allows uh, inv- invoices to be made automatically. So it's kind of like a Zapier. It's not Zapier. It, the name escapes me. Which one we use? But basically, when a wholesale order comes in, it creates the invoice, um, and then we use ShipStation for all of our shipping needs, and we have our and everything kind of into into that system. And I'm probably forgetting five more that Sony knows about that I don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Quite an extensive stack though. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: are you up to date with kind of AI and what's going on there? No, we
1: have used it a little bit for um, like naming products for the candle company, for instance. If we're sitting around throwing names back and forth for a new candle, we have the scents and fragrances. We have kind of the vision of what we would want the customer to imagine when they see the product. So we might ask ChatGPT to come up with like 20 different options, and it might be like forest meadow, but we don't like forest, but we like meadow. So it kind of help us like
0: ideation Ideation, phases, yeah. yeah.
1: Just for like names and maybe some product descriptions, yeah. But I'd like to. We have a thing coming up uh, with Growth Catalyst uh, and EO mm-hmm. event where they're talking a lot more about AI and how to incorporate in your business. So I'm excited about going to that event.
0: Right on. Over the course of your business that you said eight years, have you what are, what are some of the unexpected benefits or unexpected results of you know starting a starting a sock company uh, that you 've experienced that you know maybe it 's communities, whatever the case may be
1: communities one um, for a while, you have no friends anymore because you 're working all the time, and then the people who are your friends or are your friends uh, it 's this weird thing where you can 't relate to them as much, and all you want to talk about is. You know all the problems that you have in your business and stuff, and they're working for a company and they're, it's just a different conversation um, that's, It's a little bit sad, but it just, it's just a natural thing that kind of I've noticed happens um, and then beyond that, um, and then you get involved with groups like eO or other kind of ones that are similar, and you meet other business owners so now my, my main network is other business owners. And they're doing really cool things, like way bigger things than I'm doing. And it's something I can aspire to, but I know them very closely. So it's a fun relationship to, to have that. And we go for barbecue, and we go, we'll go hang out, or you know, do off-site working together kind of things. And that's really good. The other uh, really big benefit is me personally. Like I've changed as a human being. Like, I've become 100% more confident in myself um, I've, I've handled a lot of things here that I've, that I've needed to make into a positive outcome that weren't at the outset. And now I'm much more confident when I go into a room and I'm talking to people or something in my life comes up. And it's like, this, is, this, this thing in life right now is not anywhere close to how bad that decision I had to make for the company was two years ago. And easy, here's what we do, done. Like, it just makes life easier and makes me more confident in my decisions as a human.
0: Interesting. Do you find uh, vulnerability in business and those business surroundings, like like those groups, like EO and that sort of thing, have, have helped contribute to that, uh, yeah. that self confidence?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, realizing like being in a vulnerable environment with other people and realizing we're all kind of cut from the same cloth and we're all on the same journey in a way and same problems has helped. Um, and also, vulnerability for me is—I uh, struggled with leadership for a long time. Like, how do I be a leader? Like, what's a leader? Like, why—why why am I the leader? Why can't somebody? In? And um, vulnerability has helped me with that a lot. Just when it comes to staff, because I realize you don't need to know all the answers. Um, it's actually better if you don't. Um,
0: you Just need to know how to ask them.
1: Need to know how to ask and how to. It's with with a team behind you. They actually want to see that you're you you are an imperfect human being who doesn't have all the answers and that makes it more like, OK, um, I don't know if it's, I like this person, or I, it just makes it more like, I get this person, I understand where they're coming from. So being vulnerable, I think a lot of leaders uh, are not willing to be vulnerable as much as they should be, because once you start being vulnerable with everybody, it's, it's uncomfortable, and it's also, it's really, it's a really good way to communicate and get everybody kind of together um, and, and sort of on the same, on the same level.
0: Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like that plays into the whole culture concept too, right? Like it's hard to trust somebody who you're not sure, really sure about how, you yeah. know, what, what they're going through and how that's operating. And, and uh, interestingly enough, I was listening to another podcast recently that's like stress is contagious mm. and lots of things are contagious, you know? So like if you're trying to hide something and you're not being totally. vulnerable with your team or those around you, they feel it as well.
1: Well, and, and it's interesting because even from an evolutionary standpoint, like when we're living in caves, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's contagious mm-hmm. that we're not, even aware of, like, and it's crazy that 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 things can, the outcomes of people as a whole, when when somebody's experienced something and it's going through everyone else, it's, there's a reason for it, you know. But it's we're in a different, we live differently now, but these things still happen. Exactly from from when we were, uh, you know, beating animals over a stick. <laughs> yeah, a, hopefully not. We're seat. not doing that anymore. No, no. <laughs>
0: um, do you ever deal with imposter syndrome?
1: Yeah, I had quite like I got. Uh, Top 40 under 40 a few years ago, and I was like in amongst all these doctors that are curing things and doing things, and I was like, I have a sock company. Uh, I felt it bad back then, like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm making socks for people. Um, I have it, everybody has it. Uh, but I think um, if, 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 like, you look at other people sometimes and you go, wow, they, they're doing this big thing because they're extra intelligent, or uh, maybe whatever the scenario is why they got to where they're, they are. And you don't think that you can do that necessarily because of whatever they're whatever they have, but if if not like if they can do it, you can do it. We're all human, right? So I do have it, but I also then remind myself that we're actually all the same, and you know for the most part we're all given the the baseline, the same kind of start. Uh, You know, obviously sometimes we're not, but as human beings and our capabilities, we are, right? Um, Economic factors and stuff uh can can be tough for for some people but for me anyway i didn't have like i didn't grow up in you know an awesome neighborhood and with like rich parents and all this stuff so for me i've had to struggle and get things and um i feel like if i can do that then that's something to be proud of and i don't necessarily need to to worry about being an imposter Mm -hmm. yeah but we all have it i think a little bit
0: um have you started, I know you're early in your entrepreneurial journey, like eight, out, eight, eight years or eight hours, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, have you started to think about succession?
1: Um, no, but I've started to think about um, building the business to sell, um, just because when you're building a business to sell, you're building it so that you're no longer involved or you're not needed as part of the business. So well, I guess that's the closest thing to like succession would be, is getting it to a point where I'm really not needed here, um, maybe for some, some key decisions or something, but for the most part, I'm not needed. Just simply because when we get there, then the business is completely self-sustaining. And it doesn't matter if I you know, depart the earth early or whatever else, um, that's still there. So when I think about succession, I think about my kids. So how can I get stuff set up so that it can continue to um, provide some positive things for, for them and the family? and stuff? So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it.
0: Cool. Um, you talked about uh, you've, you talked about your idea that you know you'll have a bunch of different consumer consumer brands under one umbrella, if you will, which is super super cool. Um, but being the the guy that has all the ideas all the time and entrepreneurial and that sort of thing, is there anything else that you would like to dabble your toes in? Uh,
1: yeah, like I don't know. I uh, there's so many things product wise I want to do. There's one product that I want to do that's more of like a project that's. Not necessarily for us to continue on with it, but just to empower and, and, and this idea has empowering like the um, the, the aging uh, workforce or people that are post retirement and finding meaningful things I, I just kind of always veer towards uh, things that can help society or do good good stuff um, so beyond products, um, I would probably like if i if I created Thirty different brands, and, and I built it for it to sell, and I was in succession, and I was kind of removed from the business. I'd probably just do a lot of phil- like I'd do a lot of philanthropy and like things that kind of help mm-hmm. as much as I could.
0: Diving into that, when you're when you're talking about helping people and you know for the greater good of society and that sort of thing, is there anything is there anything specific that you focus on, or is it kind of holistic? It's kind
1: of like uh, wherever there's a need, you know, and how the money is going to be spent in a meaningful way. Um, just because you give money to a charity or nonprofit doesn't mean that a lot of that money is necessarily going to the cause. So just being careful about who you're giving money to and who you're supporting and how, um, I kind of look at it like that, because I want, you know, want the impact to be as much as it can be. And we've given a lot of money away. We, we always have, and we haven't necessarily done it for marketing purposes. We just do it because um, we want to be a responsible uh, company. And like I would never call ourselves a social enterprise. Because of the, the marketing uh component to it like i feel like i just feel like companies should get money and things when they can
0: absolutely like yeah yeah if you're capable why not well thanks yeah thanks adam really appreciate your time today yeah it was awesome awesome yeah good to be here in my warehouse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's great yeah yeah thanks man that was awesome